So I've never been really big on setting resolutions or anything just because uh, our tomorrow is not promised. And so every day is a new day, but it really helps when you start a new year and you look at your calendar and it says one, one, you know, it's almost like starting over from the beginning. And so I only thought it appropriate. And as I was praying about the message today, <clears throat> that we talk about what it means um, to make a resolution, right? And the, the topic of the message today is to resolve to follow God. And we've talked about, I think, uh, one thing I would ask today is that we don't just listen to the message and go, yeah, I already do that. We make that mistake all the time, uh, oh. even when we're talking. Oh, I already do that. I, I know that. You know, oh, I, I, I believe in God. I trust God. I, but what does it truly, truly mean? And so, um, I want to start off with showing you a, a picture um, of something. <laughs> can you guys, can I control it from here? Okay. Can you see this picture? Um, if you look at this picture right now, right, <clears throat> really quickly, it's like, oh, it's a beautiful picture, right? <clears throat> but does anyone see the two ducks on the lake? Or did you immediately notice the, the streaks across the sky? Or did you actually see how bright the sun was behind the mountains? And as I say these things, you're actually going to start looking for them. Good job, Catherine. <laughs> as I say these things, you're actually going to start looking for them, right? You're going to say, oh, what are the ducks on the lake? And so you might zoom into the picture if you had it on your phone or on your laptop. Um, or you might pay a little bit of attention to the sun. Or you might, or did you see the ripples on the water, right? <clears throat> it's a little bit hard to see. If you just glance at a picture, you just look at a picture. When you look at the picture, all you see, oh, it's beautiful, right? But in order for you to actually see what's in the picture, you actually have to look at the picture. You have to get closer to the picture. You have to get into the picture. I want to read a scripture before I start the message today from James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25. And I'll let you all go to it because I don't actually have this. Oh, I do have it on a slide. We can read it from here. James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25 is from the NLT. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. It's very easy to hear the word of God preached on Sunday or in a message that you listen and just go, that's a cool word. And, and, and you, know, you can even maybe even talk about it a little bit. But to actually let that word sink into your heart and, and understand what it truly, truly means and change your life to adapt to that word is a very different experience. And so this year, as we start looking at the word, I only have one, one point for today's message. And the reason for that is because this is a very, very important point, right? Many times you go to church and you want this nice elaborate message. How many times do you actually ever remember what the message is about? I mean, I can almost ask you in a, a couple of hours and you probably forget like the points. So there's only one point today, and the point is in the topic. It's how do you resolve to follow God? How do we as Christians truly resolve to follow God? How is following God going to change our lives and change our directions? Today in the, in the scripture, we're going to look at Ruth. And um, we're going to look at Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. <clears throat> Uh, Ruth made a decision to follow Naomi and her mother, mother-in-law into a life that was unknown instead of going back to what she knows. So I have Ruth verse 1, 14 to 17 here, but I'd actually like us to start reading from Ruth chapter 1, verse 8 to 18. And so I'm going to call for some help. Um, Melanie, do you mind reading verses 8 to 12? And then, Hartono, can you read verses 13 through 18? Okay. Thank you. 
Ruth 1, 8 to 12. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dad and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if, if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons. And the 12th, right? Until 12. And Sorry, what? Verse 13 to 18. Or 1, verse 13 to 18. Um, would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Verse 17, wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So a couple of things before we talk about this a little bit more. What Naomi was asking her her daughters-in-law to do was completely in line with what were the laws at that time, right? She said, when when your spouse has died you and you are without child and you have no other brothers to marry, like the, your husband's brother is left to marry, you can go back to your father's homes and you can find another husband there. It is completely in line with what was expected of a woman at that time, right? So understanding that Ruth's choice to follow Naomi, leaving her town down. Ruth and Elimelech moved into Moab because at that time, uh, the nation that they were living in, there was a famine. So they moved to Moab because there was food and availability there, right? So they moved to Moab. So their two sons married Moabite women. So this meant Ruth was actually leaving Moab, her home, her country, and going back to a country that was not familiar to her where she would be a foreigner. She was leaving everything she knew to go with her mother-in-law, only her mother-in-law, who had no source of income, who, who was not able to earn for her. She was actually giving up everything and making a commitment to go with her with no promise. And this is the thing we have to remember. There was no promise. There was absolutely no promise. For a woman at that time, there was no promise for her. But she made a resolution <clears throat> to follow Naomi with no promise of a future. She could have returned to her father's house because Ruth had no more ch uh, children for her to marry. In Leviticus 22, 13, it says, but if she becomes a widow or is divorced and has no children to support her and she returns to live in her father's home as in her youth, she may eat her father's food again. Otherwise, no one outside a priest family may eat the sacred offerings. In Genesis 38, 11, Judah told Tamar, go back to your father's house and remain a widow until Shelah was old enough to marry her. Right? That's after... Um, Judah's oldest two sons had passed and, and uh, Tamar had no one else to marry. So it was a, a common custom. It was acceptable for her to go back. But Ruth made a resolution to follow Naomi with no promise of a future. Now, when we come back to say, how do we resolve to follow God? We have to first know what we're resolving to do. Many times we, in, I've been guilty of this in my, in my past, and I've heard it in the past many times where people say, follow God, there's only blessings for you. Is that completely true? Is there no adversity? Is there no pain? Is there no suffering? When adversity, pain, and suffering is what God tells us to persist through so that we may become stronger, so that we may qualify ourselves before him. Ruth made a resolution to follow Naomi with no promise of a future because her resolution was a commitment, right? Jaden talked earlier about dedication. 
right? He's talked about how he wanted to, his, what his New Year's resolution was to lift heavier weights at the gym, right? And so, you know, we all make great resolutions. I mean, all the health clubs at the beginning of the year are preparing their facilities for many people to join, right? And so they say they have, you know, a lot of enrollees at the beginning of the year because everyone has a New Year's resolution. And highest attendance rate in a gym is usually between January 1st and January 21st, right? Around that time. After that, it starts to taper off because people start to realize it's kind of hard, right? <laughs> and, and they don't see immediate results. So they're like, I don't see any benefits. So I'm going to give it up, right? And then after that time, it just starts to taper off more. And then by March, it's back to where it was in the beginning. So only the dedicated remain. And then those who had their resolutions, they fell off. When we resolve to do something before God, when we have made a commitment to God, that resolution is a daily choice. It's a, it's a choice I make every day. I chose to follow God. We sang this now, the world behind me, the cross before me. That is a daily choice. What does that truly look like? If I truly carried a cross on my back, would everybody know my life was different? If I truly chose to give up everything for God, would everybody notice the difference? They would, they would know without a doubt because that is my daily choice. It is my daily choice to pick up the cross and follow God. It is my daily choice to change my life for him. It is my daily choice to go against the flow. A resolution is not meant to be set at the beginning of the year. A resolution is meant to be carried out every single day of our life. You know, like I mentioned earlier, it's like we tend to look at the beginning of the year as a good time to set resolutions. But that resolution, when set, should never be dropped. It's a commitment. If I resolve to follow God, that is a lifetime till I die commitment. Naomi's commitment, sorry, Ruth's commitment to Naomi really shocked me in the last part when she said, <clears throat> Don't ask me, in verse 16, she says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. What does that mean? I will follow you no matter where you lead me. I will follow you no matter what you do for me. I will follow you wherever you go, good or bad. I will live where you live. It doesn't matter whether it's comfortable or not. I will live where you live. Your people will be my people. Now, this is the one that's the hardest. I give up my culture for you. I give up who I am, my identity for you. You know, a long time ago, I was uh, leading a woman, an uh, uh, Indian woman, and I was doing a Bible study with her. And so I asked her the question one day. I said, would you like to accept Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior? She said, oh, sure. She said, you know, we believe that we have many gods. So Jesus is also a good God. I will take him. I said, no. When you follow Jesus Christ, he is your only God. He says in his commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. So you can't follow Jesus and then have all these other gods. That's not called following God. You have to give everything up. She goes, I can't do that. I can't. Because if I do that, I will give up my culture. I will give up my very identity of who I am. And I thought that was really sad. But coming back and reading it, what Ruth said to Naomi, your people will be my people. That means who I am, who I am, the, what I was born into, the very essence of who we are. You know, even though we all call ourselves Christians, we have our culture deep inside of us. You know, if you're an American, you have the American culture ingrained inside of you. You know, if you're, if you're Asian, you have the Asian culture ingrained inside of you, right? If you're a European, you have the European culture ingrained inside of you. But when we become Christians, when we become of Christ, what does that look like? We need to question all these things that we bring into our belief of Christ. You see, the Bible has no culture. You know, I had a conversation about Christmas, right? And we were talking about why is Christmas so controversial? And I remember in Malaysia, when I grew up, Christmas was not controversial. It was very clear. Christmas, even though not in the Bible, only Christians celebrated it. But today in America, Everybody celebrates Christmas. So when I first came to this country, I was really confused. I'm like, are you Christian? But you don't. He said, no, I'm not Christian, but I celebrate Christmas. Because like, in Malaysia, if you celebrate Christmas, you're a Christian. If you celebrate, if you celebrate Idol Fitri, you're a Muslim. If you celebrate Chinese New Year, you're Chinese. You don't cross-celebrate. 
You know, I don't, I don't, and you don't put up uh, Chinese lanterns in your house if you're Indian and you celebrate Christmas, you know, you just don't do that. So it's very clear. If you celebrate Christmas, I go to your house for a Christmas dinner. If you celebrate Idol Fitri, I go to your house for uh, Idol Fitri dinner. If you celebrate Chinese New Year, I go to your house for Chinese New Year. It was really, really clear. Then I came to America and I'm like, we're fighting about who can celebrate what. And then, and the early, I think it was the early 2000s when I first moved to Seattle, there was this whole controversy about the, um, the nativity scene and who could say Merry Christmas or whether you should say Merry Christmas. And that confused me even more. So I'm like, in Malaysia, a Muslim country, it was very clear. If they said Merry Christmas, they're wishing a Christian good tidings on a day that you celebrate the birth of your Christ, right? It was very clear, not saying that it was completely right, but it was very clear. And here it became so convoluted. We can't allow culture to come into the word of God. You see, as Christians, if we even question celebrating Christmas, people question us. Why don't you celebrate Christmas? And I always ask them, where is it in the Bible? Has anybody ever looked into the word of God to see where the word Christmas is? There? Where's Santa Claus? Where's the Easter Bunny? As Christians, we have to take a step back and say, what? Am I celebrating the word? Am I truly following God in his word? Or am I just adopting the culture around me? Because this is what all Christians do. As a believer, we have a responsibility for that because when we don't do that, are we leading others astray? And for many years as a pastor, we did that, right? Because we didn't know better. We didn't question. But now, especially in the times that we're in, it doesn't hurt. Take a step back. When Ruth said to Naomi, I will, your people will be my people. She said, I'm going to give up everything. I'm even going to give up my culture, my celebrations, everything I believe in, the gods that I grew up with the ideas and the things that make me feel secure. I'm giving it all up. I'm going with you. Keep in mind, Naomi, again, had nothing for her. The, Naomi wasn't her husband. He wasn't her provider. He wasn't her protector, right? And yet Ruth had given up everything to follow her. <clears throat> and let me go back there. Okay, wherever you live, your people, me, my people, your God will be my God. Ruth was committed. She was so committed. It's very different. You know, um, my family is from a part of India called Kerala. The history of how the Kerala people in Kerala became Christians was not through um, the great conversion that happened, but it was actually in the early times of the apostles. Now, when the apostles arrived in India, they arrived in Kerala because it's a port city. And when they arrived in Kerala and they came and they converted the Christians, in order for the Christians to help the other people, what they started to do is they started to paint their churches like to look like temples. And they changed their names. And they changed their well, they changed their names, right? They changed all their Indian names to apostolic names. Like that's why my mother's name is Matthews, my maiden name is Matthews. Uh, they changed their names. They they adapted, but in order to reach out to the local people, they changed what the churches look like. So if you go into the church, the original priest, you know, instead of when he comes down the hall, he'll he'll uh, wave a. Uh, I don't know, my mom knows what it's called, but it's like a, a incense. incense. Yeah, he waves incense that walking down the aisle. And he he has a lot of things in the church that are not idols, but but eventually could be construed as an idol. Why did they do that? Because they were trying to relate to the people. It was part of the culture that they were trying to relate to. Right now, over the years, when, what they started to do that as a way to reach out to the people in order for the people to understand who they were, to understand this God that was so foreign to them, now became a part of a culture. And so today, that church, that practice, many, 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 many years later, thousands of years later, is still in practice till today. The heart of Christ is gone, but the practice of the church is still there. What Ruth said to Naomi, she said, I will follow your people, will be my people, your God will be my God. That's very different. She didn't say your church is my church. She didn't say your church is my church. You know, I had conversations with people today who were like guilty that they're not going to church. Like, but where is your heart with God? People leave churches for many reasons. I don't like somebody or I broke up with somebody, so I'm not going to that church anymore. Or I, I, I don't like how the pastor preaches or I don't like uh, how the worship happens. But who is your God? Where are you getting fed? You know, one thing that Logos has never had a problem with is worrying about who will stay and who will go. Because if you're meant to be here, if you are hungry for the word of God, you will be here. 
There are some people who are not hungry for the word of God and all they want is fellowship. Then maybe they'll go somewhere else and that's it. But when your heart, when God places you, we know when God places somebody here, that's when they are here. We're not here to attract. No. We're not, we're not a, we're not a, um, a gym, <laughs> right? We don't have a membership because we're here to bring people into the body. We're here mainly to feed. You know, one thing to be really, really clear on our responsibility as pastors, as leaders, and when I say our, I'm not talking about just the pastors of the church. I'm talking about every single person in the church. Our responsibilities as Christians is to guide one another closer to Christ. Our healing, our restoration, our knowledge only comes from the word of God. So whether this church has one, five, 50 or 500, we will continue to operate the same way because that is the basic understanding. We don't have anything else to give you other than the word of God. And that has to be understood completely. Because there is the word of God, there you will find love. Because there is the word of God, there you will find commitment. Because there is the word of God, there you will find sacrifice, right? And, and that is why, that is the basis. We're not good people before we are believers of Christ. We are believers of Christ, that's why we're good people. And that's all of us. All of us are called to that, right? You will never find anything fancy because the Bible doesn't talk about that. It doesn't. The Bible talks about fellowship, sacrifice, laying down your life for your brothers, giving up of ourselves to be like Christ. The Bible talks about a commitment like Ruth made to Naomi. See, Ruth's commitment was made to Naomi, but today I talk about it from the, from the perspective of, is this our commitment to God? Is this the same kind of commitment we would make to God? <clears throat> Ruth made a commitment. She, she chose not to return to what she was familiar with, but instead she chose her commitment over comfort. Ruth, I talked about this earlier, Ruth gave up her family and her gods when she married Naomi's son in the beginning, right? Because she, she married her husband. She gave up everything then, but she never gave herself the option to go back to them. Right. It's really important in our Christian walk that our commitment to God is not reliant on a single person on this earth. Our commitment to God needs to be reliant only on our relationship with him. And this is why we do Bible studies. And this is why we do church. And this is why we keep talking and we keep teaching, because in order for us to continue to grow in God, we have to get an understanding of who he is through his words. And our commitment needs to be to him alone. If we take everything out of our life that keeps us comfortable right now, our fellowship, our friends, our people, people whom we love, can we still function in a place where we love God? Because that time might come, right? You know, if all your friends leave this body, will you still stay because this is where God's called you to be? Or if all your friends leave you, will you still stay in God because this is what God has called you to be? <clears throat> So Ruth chose not to return to what she was familiar with, but she chose commitment over comfort. She chose to be committed. She chose to walk with God. She knew what her commitment was towards God. That's so powerful. You know, one thing I want to point out is like Naomi was not a man. He was not her husband. This kind of commitment you make to your spouse. When I first read this, I was like, that is so interesting. How did she carry over the commitment she had to her husband, to her mother-in-law? That is a pretty strong commitment. It's a personal one because her commitment was done. Yeah, her, truly, her commitment was done, right? She, she had a free ticket out of there. She didn't have to hang out with his family anymore, but she made a choice to, to carry it through. That's a very, it's a very powerful commitment. Will we make that same commitment? Now, we all like happy endings, right? So Ruth actually had a happy ending. So she was able to be redeemed by the kinsman of Elimelech, who, her father-in-law. So And she was able to bear a son. You find that in Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. Um, in Ruth chapter 3, verse 11, the kinsman called her virtuous woman, the same term that was used in Proverbs 31 to describe the virtuous wife, right? And Ruth was also the great-grandmother of King David, who we know is in the line of Jesus. And we see that in Ruth 4, 18 and Matthew one to five. I think I put that in the slide. But I want to talk about, um, and, I, and I bring up the happy endings because it's important, right? 
But I want to talk about what happens if there's no promise of a happy ending. Right, we all like that Cinderella story where there's a lot of suffering and a lot of turmoil and then finally your Prince Charming shows up and you're fine. But what if there is no promise? Do you know that in our life there is no promise? Our tomorrow is not promised. We could end our day. Today could be our last. Tomorrow we could wake up standing before God waiting judgment. That is, that is the promise. <laughs> that is the only thing we're assured of, that there is an end to our life. There is no promise that my dedication towards God will give me this wonderful life one day. There is no promise. There is a promise of the fact that God will never leave me nor forsake me. There is a promise that God loves me more than anything else. And so his blessings will always be upon me. But what those blessings look like are what they look like to him, not to me. Many times we follow God because we think if I follow God, I will get what I want. What if what we want is not what God wants for us? You know, there are many martyrs in this world who suffered to the point of death. There was no promise for them of a better life. Their promise was in their eternal life. Truly, if you think about it, God's promise for us to have that happy ending, to have that life in eternity with him, actually happens after the point of death. That's when there's the promise of no pain and no suffering. That is when there's a promise of of a continued joy and in the, being in the presence of God. It happens after death. But what about this life, this insignificant life that we live right now that begins and ends right here because eternity is so much longer? What happens if we mess up in this life and we choose not to live right before God? We choose not to truly commit to him. See, today's message is a really simple message. One, Just one point. How do we resolve to follow God? Can we resolve in our hearts Regardless of our spouse, our children, our family, our mother, our father, can I, as a person, resolve to follow God? Can I make this choice? Some of us have never, ever committed to anything in our lives, ever. The only commitment you have is to get out of bed in the morning and do what you have to do. But the, the, everyone has to make one commitment in our life. Now, today is the 2nd of January. It's the beginning of the year. We talk about resolutions a lot this time of year. But the one resolution that's so important to all of us is resolving in our hearts to follow God. The meaning of resolution, I looked up the, uh, just I wanted to talk about these two um, <clears throat> definitions. So a resolution, it says a firm decision to do or not to do something. And a commitment is the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or an activity, right? So if you look at these two words, neither one promises anything in return. It doesn't say if you resolve to do something, you're going to get something in return. It doesn't say if you commit to do something, you're going to get something to return. This is merely a resolution and a commitment. It is, it is an act of obedience to resolve to commit. <clears throat> Jaden talked about Noah. Noah made it, was dedicated to follow God on what could be said to be the most ludicrous thing ever. I mean, how many of you know somebody who built a giant boat in their backyard during a, fa during a drought? Madness, pure madness, right? It's just, why would you do that? It makes no logical sense. Obedience to God sometimes makes no logical sense. When this world tells us to work one way and God tells us that is not the way he has called us to work, do we follow the world? When we have heartache and pain in our lives and we say, well, well, my friends tell me or, or, or advice I've gotten from this world tells me I need to go away and I need to be alone. I need to deal with my pain. Well, what about persevering through it? What about trusting God through it? What about moving through it? Can we not do that? You never understand how much strength you have in your life until you persevere. That is the truth. You know, I'll use the gym again as an example. Jaden didn't know how strong he was until he kept pushing through. He kept increasing his weights, and so he pushed through. And this may not relate to many of us, but if you just try something for 30 days, do it every day for 30 days and see how your life changes. It's called perseverance. It's difficult. You don't want to do it. But if you keep doing it, read your Bible, make a commitment. You know, there are many, many apps out there. You have an audio Bible app. You have a a daily reading plan. I mean, they're so you don't have to buy anything. They're all free. Make a commitment. I'm going to read my Bible every day this year. And remember that picture we saw in the beginning. We don't read our Bible by just glancing at it. 
But we read our Bible by looking intently at what is God saying? Even if you read, don't read through your whole Bible. Don't, that's fine. Don't do that. You don't get an award. Okay. You don't get an award. You don't get an extra check mark in heaven. But if you read one verse a day and you just think about that verse all day, just think about it. Just ask God, what is, what are you saying? What is this saying to me? If you just do that one, your life will change. This is a, it's not an infomercial. This is a guarantee. It's so true. Every time, like when I started off reading Ruth, I read the entire chapter of Ruth a few times over because I wanted to preach on the whole chapter of Ruth and God took me just back to 16 and 17. So just think about this, Jeannie. Just think about this. What kind of a commitment is this? Are you willing to give up everything for God? What does that look like? Are you willing to give up your culture, your comfort? Are you willing to give up everything he has for you just to follow him? <clears throat> As we go into a fresh year, it's time to examine our commitments. It's time to take inventory of my commitment to God. Who or what am I committed to? Who do I listen to the most? Do I listen to the actual word of God that comes from the word of God, which is the book of the word of God? Or do I listen to people's interpretations of the word of God? Do I listen to sermons more than I actually read or listen to the word of God? That's the first question to ask. Who am I listening? Who's my biggest influencer in my life? Is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? Is it TikTok? What's the other one? Snapchat? If you, if you don't know, look on your phone. It's actually something that tracks your usage. <laughs> Check your phone. That's your biggest influencer. And then look at your life and say, is this why I'm having a hard time in my walk with God? Examine your thoughts every single day. How much time do you take to think about God's word? And how much time do you take to think about other things? Right? If you look at how much time, it, as outside of work and school, I know we need to go to work, we need to go to school, right? All of that needs to be done. But outside of that, if you go to work eight hours a day, you still have 16 hours in your day. Say you sleep for another eight, you have eight hours left. It, that entire eight hours, what happens in our mind? What takes up time in our mind. Yeah, of course, we, we might not be able to spend all eight hours outside of work and outside of thinking of other things, thinking about God, but how much time do we spend thinking about God? Do I just read one scripture that pops up on my phone every morning and then I'm done? Three seconds, literally takes you that long to read a scripture. Or do I think about that scripture throughout the day? <clears throat> Please don't make a general statement and say I'm committed. I mean, if anything at all, if I'm to ask, if I have to ask myself today, what is my commitment to God? My answer today should be, I'm examining my commitment with God. I want to make sure that my commitment with God is real. We saw Ruth's life today and her commitment was clear. Because not only did she tell Naomi, I'm going to follow you where you go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. She went with her. She went back with her to, to Jordan. She lived with her. She provided for Naomi. She went out into the fields and and she gleaned so that her mother-in-law could eat. She was obedient to Naomi. She did everything Naomi asked her to do. She carried through her. There was action behind her words. Like how often is there action behind our words? How often do we actually do what we're going to say? It's so easy to talk. You know, it is so easy to talk. It's so, it's so and now it's even easier because you can post it on Instagram, right? Like my New Year's resolution or this is what I'm doing today. Well, Talk here first. <clears throat> she left all for no promise to follow Naomi. And the question is, have we left all with no promise to follow God? Are we willing to leave everything, everything, no matter what, to the point of death, no matter where he takes us, no matter what he has for us, are we willing to leave it all to follow God? If God you know, many times we think, well, that means, oh, God's going to take me away to another country or to a foreign country. What if God takes away your money? What if God takes away your health? What if God takes away your family? What if God takes away your job? Can we still follow him? Can we still be steadfast in our pursuit of him? Are we still committed to say, you are my God, I will follow you no matter what? It's a different commitment, right? So today, as we end, I ask, because it was a short sermon and because there was only one point, results to follow God, that we go back 
and we look at Ruth chapter one. In fact, if you can look at Ruth chapter one through four and read through the life of Ruth, but especially chapter one, verse 16 and 17, and take this scripture and ask God, is this where I am in my relationship with you? Am I willing to give it all up to you? This is my only ask for today. This year, as you start your year and you take some time to meditate, do it alone. This is your commitment to God. This is not your commitment to your children or your spouse. You have to be committed in your walk with God before you can be committed in your walk with anyone else. If you don't know where you stand with God, you cannot, you cannot commit to anyone else because you don't have that ability. Take the time alone to be with God and ask him, is this my commitment to you? And if it's not, praise God, he's shown you something. Make that commitment. Take that commitment. This is not a time for us to feel condemned. It was, it was, a, it was an awesome message for me to prepare because he was just showing me how it's so easy for me to say so easily with my words, oh, I'm committed to God. And then he began to show me things in my life that were taking priority over him. And I said, Father, please forgive me. And that my prayer this year is that every day my heart will stay humble so that he can continue to show me what is my distraction before him. My life cannot be the same. None of our lives can be the same. Right? This is not just a pastor thing. I'm sorry. This is not just a pastoral commitment. Right? The pastor's role is just that. It's a responsibility. We have a responsibility to sit up here and pray. We have a responsibility to shepherd and to guide and to love. We do. But so do every one of us. As Christians, we have a responsibility to lay down our life for our brothers. That's what makes us different from everyone else. So this is a responsibility that goes beyond just sitting in front of the pulpit, right? This is a this is not a this is a privilege and a responsibility that no one should ever take lightly. But the fact that we are walking before God, calling ourselves Christians, which is representative of Christ, representative of Jesus Christ on this earth, what is our responsibility then? Amen. All right, I'm going to open it up for questions or comments before we go into communion. Anyone online? Hey, Pastor Jeannie. Hi. As I was listening to your message, praise the Lord for his message. So powerful and so, so his message. And how do I know that it's his message? One, it was filled with his word. But two, see, the Lord tells us in Isaiah that our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts. So much higher. The world is into the beginning. It's a new year. We're going to begin. We're going to begin. How many diets have we begun in our life? How many projects? Lord is not about beginning. He's about finishing. And Matthew 24, 13. The Lord says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. For him, it's not about the beginning. See, also know, you know, I've worked with homeless alcoholics and drug users. It's all about beginning for them. They're always joining some rehab, some program. But until they begin to finish, until they cling to the Lord, because the Lord tells us to cling to him. That's what Ruth was doing. She was clinging to Naomi. You know, the Lord tells us in, you know, um, Deuteronomy 13.4. Can you go there? Uh, whoever you want to go there, Pastor. I can go there. Okay. It says, serve the Lord, serve only the Lord your God and fear him alone. Obey his commands, listen to his voice and cling to him. Cling to him in the good and the bad, no matter what. And listen to only his voice. That's why I love those Bereans. They listened to Paul, this great man of God, and then would go to the word to see if what he was saying was so. It wasn't about what Paul said. It was about confirming that Paul said what God said. How many are doing that? I'm totally with Pastor, you know, the message is the Lord, even on that. Don't just be taking people's word for it. We're flesh. 
the Lord says, cursed is the man who trusts in flesh. We are flesh, but blessed is the man whose trust is the Lord, whose confidence is the Lord. If we are doing our job right as servants, we're teaching you to trust him, not us. We're teaching you to go to him, not us. You know, the Tuesday night Bible studies, they've been awesome because it's been praying, Lord, what? And it's like for the last almost year between the Psalms 119 study and the Genesis study, what makes that study different is that each one of those attending reads the word and then go talk to the Lord. And they come back and say what the Lord has given them. Training his people, not just to get into his word, but training his people to hear his voice. Amen. And if we're not doing that, then we are not properly serving God's people as he's called us to do. One more scripture and then I'm done. Psalms 119.31. Would you also read that, Pastor G? Psalms 119.31. It says, I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. To cling to God is to cling to his word. You know, as Pastor Jeannie spoke, opening up with James 1. You know, you cannot cling to his word if you forget his word. That is why he calls us to meditate on his word. And he says, he doesn't just say meditate, you know, once. He says meditate on it day and night. Meditate on his word. And when you, when, and when you learn to meditate, like the Lord teaches you to meditate, just like that opening picture that Pastor Jeannie shared, you never just glance at something. You look at it to see, Lord, what are you showing in this picture? Because a picture is worth a thousand words. A picture is worth a thousand words. Lord, what are you saying? Because this is your creation. And he begins to show the streaks in the sky, the, the bright sun coming up behind the mountain, the tree reflecting in the water. I didn't see the ducks, but I saw a lot of other stuff. You have to zoom in to see the ducks. Oh, okay. <laughs> Amen. To look intently to see the ducks. Come on, I didn't see the ducks. I see one in the corner once you said it, but, you know, over here. But yeah. I them ducks. I saw the tree. I saw the sun. I saw. But it's like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God Almighty. And I would say that, and that was my, that's my prayer for each and every one of you. Because we are living in a time when truth is flung to the ground, where deceit the seat is raging. And the only way you cannot be deceived is to walk in the truth, to walk with the truth, to be filled without measure with the spirit of truth. That's all I have, Pastor. I'm going. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Catherine. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Hey Amen. I'd like to share a little bit, uh, and this would be extension of uh, the sermon, Romans 12, 1 and 2, that reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, right, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and perfect, uh, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Um, you know, you as as many are 
uh, thinking about resolution, and Pastor Catherine made an excellent point. Many people are always about the starting. It's always, you know, uh, forget about last year, forget about the year before. It's just starting something new uh, because it's, it's more exciting to focus on. But our Lord is really about finishing. Uh, one thing about finishing is definitely the being resolute and committed. Um, here in Romans 12:1, and I think it's very important that God is giving us the understanding that part of this committing, and it's not about always starting, is so that we have this journey that we know we're building and continue to grow. And part of that is knowing his will. He said that by testing, in other words, by living, by being obedient, by being persevering, all of that is so that we may discern what is the will of God. Now, let me pause here and say this. For many people, uh, like Jeannie mentioned, right? We say, oh yeah, the will of God, the will of God. But they actually do not know what is the will of God. Um, I wanted to encourage all of us to spend some time, especially this New Year week. If you don't know how, or if you don't know what is the will of God, I, I want to encourage you, you actually do know more than you realize. It's just that uh, many people don't practice it and many people assume it. So what I'm encouraging is that in this week, sit down and write down 10, 10, at least 10. What is the will of God? And where would you find it in the scripture? Because when you see it for yourself, then you know what the will of God is, and it will give you the guidance to live out what will be pleasing to God. So whatever your resolution is, uh, we pray that let it be God first, because out of that birth out the real resolution. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, you know, gym is good. It's just a personal health kind of a goal, things like that. And I don't dismiss that. But in reality, what is even more greater is our spiritual health. Amen. And so with the spiritual health, we'll also bring out physical health and emotional health and mental health and everything that you need. And so I want to encourage you in that. Uh, would you please spend some time, write down at least 10 and with each one of them, prayerfully, you know where to find it in the Bible. And with that, let's let's share some time together. Maybe we're breaking meals together. We're breaking bread together. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about what is the will of God that he has shown you in his life. And I believe in that we are iron sharpening iron. Just like Pastor Catherine said, uh, having Bible study uh, is, is more than just about uh, getting together, but the time spent with God. And so that's what I want to add to it. Amen. Amen. Anyone else before we close, uh, before we go to communion? I'm going to close with a one scripture. I haven't just read Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Can we go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2 and 3? As we take this time to evaluate our commitment with God, I'm going to read verse 2. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Verse 3 says, because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And Romans chapter 12, verse 3, really spoke to me because we, even though a lot of us are very, very humble, maybe in the way we talk, we do tend to think the best of ourselves. And it's really important that as we evaluate ourselves in God, it's like, you know, I, when I was going through this, this sermon prep, I was like, well, I can't be that bad, right? And he's like, I'm sure I do things. And God just began to show me in my life how there are things that I do and the things that I choose that put because I've given myself no options like oh I have to do these things I have to do this because this is my responsibility where God says but have you how about you have to choose to follow me right and so when we evaluate ourselves with God let us come to it from a place where we're evaluating ourselves from his perspective not our own right 
it says in uh, verse three, don't think yourself better than you are, but be honest in your evaluation of yourself. And this is why I ask you to do it alone. You don't, you don't have to go ask your roommate or your friend or your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife, evaluate me. No, evaluate ourselves before God. Ask God to examine our hearts so that we can see where we truly are with him. And this is not a one day thing. This is a daily thing. Daily evaluate ourselves. Daily examine our hearts. Ask God daily, Father, will you examine my heart and show me what is not pleasing to you? So before I turn over to Edmund for communion, let me just close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this body. I thank you for each and every one you have brought here. I thank you for the faithfulness of each heart, Father, to hear your word, to seek after you, Father, to do what is right. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you will reward each heart, Father, with joy. Joy unspeakable, Father, because we are in your presence. And that, Lord, that you are a gentle father. And even when you correct us, you correct us so gently. You correct us by showing us the truth and giving us realization in our heart of where we've done wrong. And then you give us the solution in your word. Father, you don't just throw us out there and say, you've done something wrong. You are banished. You never do that. But Father, you gently bring us back into your presence. You gently set us back on the right path. You set us on the right way and you show us how to do it. And Father, will we, I pray that our hearts stay humble before you. Father, to ask you each and every day, Father, will you show me the right way to walk? Will you show me what to do? As I resolve in my heart, as I make the choice, Abba Father, to follow you each and every day, as I make the choice in my life every day, choose you over everything else, that I will not use the excuse of it's not my, it's out of my control. It's always in my control before you. I can always choose you. Father, will you give us the strength, give us the courage, Father, to keep walking in everything that you've called us to, to be obedient to you and to know, Father, that you've already set the way before us. Lord, bless each heart, Lord, and Father, as we go into this time of communion, Lord, would you would you open up each heart and mind, Lord Jesus, that, Father, we, this may be a time that is blessed before you. In Jesus' almighty name we pray. Amen. Um, as we prepare our hearts, uh, two things uh, come to mind that was uh, mentioned. One is to evaluate ourselves. Amen. Um, the other one is Pastor Jeannie was praying that we are given opportunity to choose and that we may choose right. And I would say, while we have the time given to us, this is the time. Tomorrow is not promised. Meaning Monday may roll around, Monday may not. But only in Christ eternal life with him that promise was made through jesus christ not by our own effort not by our own um, will not by any merit that we obtain but only through jesus christ amen and so for that reason choosing ability to choose him is today and we thank god for that let's consider what we're doing as we come together for uh, Holy Communion. <clears throat>